about to be a completely unreliable asshole. Hello, Tim. Hi, Ryan. And hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 53 of Dismembering Horror, the podcast show where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and myself, Tim Aslan, we dismember a horror film every week, every Thursday, in fact. And what does it mean to dismember a horror film? Well, first we, well, we watch it. We got to know what we're talking about here. (laughs) Then we talk about what worked for us, what did not work for us. And then we wrap it up with things of note. (laughs) (laughs) where we talk about stuff that didn't quite fit into either good or bad as we see it because this is a very we take a very subjective approach to this all we're no authority we're just two dudes talking horror movies (laughs) hoping that hoping that our enthusiasm and interest spurs your own opinionating Mm. whether you agree with us or not and if you don't agree with us you should let us know and send us a recording of you disagreeing with us so we can play it. Oh, I read would love it. that. I know. <laughs> we need a first one of those. Come on. Episode 53, people. Let's do it. Oh, my God. 53. I know. What an insignificant number. <laughs> <laughs> you mean that? <laughs> I mean, it's significant to us, but like it doesn't mean anything. Oh, 53 specifically? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just past 50 at this point, so right. it's all... It'll feel it's all downhill. No, it'll, it'll all feel significant for a while yeah. until we get closer to 100, and then that will be the new uh, demarcation of significance. Mm. And this week, we watched the 2014 film Starry Eyes, which I have fun with, Tim, anytime it's a uh, like an L.A. set film. Definitely. In, uh, the dismembering horror offices are here in Hollywood, <laughs> California. So it's fun to... And Tim and I are... In the biz, so to speak. So I don't yeah. know. It's 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 always fun to see this vantage point portrayed from this vantage point. It's like watching our own backstory happen in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically, this film. <laughs> A little bit. Yeah, you you have the, like the first like five years of my life in L.A. Right. Was like this movie. Tim has the um. The acting experience, I don't, of I'm sure you've gone to these kinds of auditions. and Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've probably been in that, like, room that they filmed the audition in. Well, we'll get I to... I certainly it. recognize the building. Yeah? Yeah. So, I anyway. wonder if that was the actual interior. Yeah, I'm not certain. Because the actual building does have some significance, I'll tell Ooh, you. Ooh, cool. In things of note. So Great. stick around, folks, if you want to learn about that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, anything else to catch up on or say before we get into it? Coming off Demon House last week, we had a good discussion about (laughs) what the heck does it mean when you say ghost? You know what's funny is I, after Demon House, I was a little put off by my best friend, Zach Bagans. And then I just started watching more episodes of Ghost Adventures anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It took on a new layer of appeal for you. I just, it's like, I just can't stop. (laughs) (laughs) Well, until they run out of episodes, which may never happen at this rate. (laughs) God damn. I mean, he's got to run out of haunted places. No, impossible. (laughs) They just, all they'll do is they'll just be like Ghost Adventures International. Oh my God! Yeah, which they—I think they've gone overseas a couple times. Right. I, think they, I remember an episode in like Italy at one point, and I think they did like 
somewhere in the UK, either Scotland or like Old Castle now type we're shit. Going I'm sure they've done that. International. So. <laughs> and uh, I look forward to visiting his museum with you. Oh my someday god! In Vegas, I can't wait. Okay, well, that's that. <laughs> now I say we get into this week's film. How about that? Yes. Please. All right. All right. Here is at least the partial trailer for Starry Eyes. Welcome to Big Taters. My name is Sarah. Can I start you guys off with an order of our freedom tots? We got all these people, all our friends. They're just sitting around trying to figure out what to do, trying to figure out how to make something. I thought you were avoiding me. Why would you think that? Because I stole your role. Come on with you lately. I work so hard. Every week it's a new class, a new audition. Hopefully you'll see something in me. I know I'd be great for this. We'll be in touch. If you can't fully let yourself go, how can you ever transform to something? Pretty high praise in some of those quotes there, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, maybe a little hyperbolic. <laughs> I mean, that's how they felt at the time. You wonder if that's when they it's seen at a film festival. We're already kind of getting mm-hmm. to our review of it, our rating, but... <laughs> You know, yeah. the, when it's just is like best movie ever, best movie ever. Yeah. I mean, I can ask my friends to say those things and put them in quotations, too. Yeah. But these people. <laughs> That's such a dick thing to say. But Well, I guess since we're already talking about what we thought about it, should we talk about what we thought about it and give it a rating? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. See how that works out. Uh, I, I'll i start. Okay. Unless you really want to. No. Cause I, I you, make go, you, you go right you ahead. You go first a lot. You just do your thing, Ryan. You and your purple shirt. I give it a stream. It. I think it was a, it was a, it was a had a lot of redeeming qualities, but in the end, it's well, it didn't fully deliver for me on the premise. Yeah, I like I loved the story and setting and characters, but did not fully take advantage of them as I see it. Yeah, I basically agree with all of that. But for some reason, I just want to buy this. <laughs> and I think it's it's like a... I don't know even how to describe it. It's got, it's got like four or five different things going on that just like like tickle me. Number one, I love the lead actress number two that sort of like we were saying the the kind of nostalgia of like that world of the actor the desperate actor all of that shit it's like a train wreck that i can't look away from yeah this is a we have the vantage point of being post slash during me too movement yeah uh, when this film came out in 2014 yeah and um there's like I love Pat Healy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the actor. Um, 
I don't know. There's something just so fucking charming about it, despite its shortcomings that I can't. I don't know how to classify this. If I saw this like a DVD or Blu-ray of this for like $3.99, I would a thousand percent buy it right away it sounds like this is and kind so of it's like essentially a rent yeah but i i want to own it this is like your equivalent of how the juans are for me or something how yeah. you're talking about it like you're like it's, i just love all the stuff i don't care about anything else yeah there are a lot of things i love about the movie that don't necessarily add up to a great movie yeah but like each of the individual things, I'm like super into. Right. I then for me, I think those individual things were a bit too disparate or didn't sure. quite coalesce or felt like I mean, different I, directions. I kind of agree with that too. <laughs> yeah, so. But even so, I, it's almost like I I can see the movie that they were shooting for. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I feel like I'm usually the one who takes this uh, <laughs> takes this opinion on films. Yeah, you're where I'm like, you know what? But I don't care. I just like it. <laughs> yeah, you rarely do that. I rarely feel that way. <laughs> cool. But so this one, fuck, that, dude. That's like a lot of it is that's the setting, like we talked yeah. about, and all that for you. Yeah, that is what I loved about it. Um, cool. Yeah, and some good body horror, which we'll get into. My fave. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's keep it going. Let's get into our okay. summary. Okay. All right, ready? Here we go. Yes. Sarah Walker is an actress in Hollywood desperately trying to make it and believing that she has the talent, but the the circumstances and the life around her are are keeping her down and, and back I, and I'd say whatever. emphasis on desperately believing. She's yeah, like, yeah, because exactly. she, you know, I think she has the stuff, but she does not have the confidence. I'd say she sort of has, a, right. she, she sort yeah. of has what she feels like is a faux confidence almost. And that comes out like, it, she's like, this like is what confidence looks like, I think. Yeah. So like her, her asking. sort of quote unquote, um, uh, 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 what would you call it? Like a neuroses or a pathology that she has of like pulling, like punishing herself when she thinks she hasn't done a good enough job and she like yanks on her hair and rips out some of her hair, which is a very, you know, self-flatulating, yeah. flagellating, not flatulating, um, sort of, you know, I'm, it's, it's, what's the word for that? Um, masochistic sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, self-harm stuff. So, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that all kind of, supports that idea that she yeah she and so she's got pun- she, is punishing herself she she can't live up so to she the goes thing. she's like at her wits end with her her job that she hates at big taters <laughs> right. like a hooters ripoff yep um and then she uh she lands what she thinks is a, like an exciting audition that she's pretty stoked about yeah. for a horror film called what the lead in a horror film called the silver scream <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so she goes to that things the, the 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 auditioners the producer the casting director they look like they're out of a i don't know what kind of movie but some kind of movie um <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah what are they out of they're um, weird for they're... me they looked like they were okay I don't, this i'll get into these comparisons later but like the sort of satiricalness in like society and or David Cronenberg, yeah. even though those are very, very different. They are both extremes, yep. but felt kind of like the, at least 
Yeah, she's she's meeting characters plucked from that world. They feel alien. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, like they're not real people. And meanwhile, so then as the auditions going bad, they're taking advantage. They're they're like pulling the whole casting couch thing on her essentially, which which is the escalation from like them getting to have a pull her hair out in front of them. Some weird, what like what do you call it? The part that almost gave you a seizure. Oh like, my god, the strobe light shit? Yeah, she starts to go through some kind of transformation or, or getting in touch with her wild crazy side. And yeah, me- she lets go yes. of all of the the sort of the things that, that you, you know, her, in, her, her inhibitions. No, her, yeah, her inhibitions. Yeah. She lets her, that the walls down around the thing that make actors bad actors, which yeah. is like being in your head and overthinking it and not just existing and all of those things. And she finally yeah. is able to like let all of that go, which is a nice metaphor the casting for the people end. people keep uh, pushing her along. So, yeah. Oh, well, you don't want the pot then. Right. And then uh, meanwhile, she's got this group of friends who like a bunch of them live together and like they're always hanging out. Or, that's like, like, I don't know why you think that's strange. That is, that is like most of the douches in no, Hollywood. It's not strange, but it was just <laughs> funny how it sort of, the film delivered in a way where it just felt like that was just always a given. And yeah. it felt kind of almost like a, like, like it a was communal fr- thing. It, yeah. Like it was friends, but in this, <laughs> but like yeah. real life. Yeah. Um, and uh, she's has this sort of like push pull relationship with a lot of them where it's like, right. they go from supporting each other one minute to not the next inspiring each other. The not, and then right. she's not want And she's kind lane. of the outsider of that. Like she's not really friends with any of them. They're friends of her roommates. And then she's sort of by proxy around them and they're equal parts accepting of her and not. And we hope that you watch this film. That's kind of the spirit of the show. We, mm-hmm. we, we, uh, we speak as though you've seen it. Um, but we do this summary so you can plug into what the heck we made of it, or if you do want to listen to it. Well, and I think so, you know, to boil the movie down a little bit more into just the essence of what it is, is she auditions for a film that is very likely just a casting couch scam. Yeah, that's, but it's that's the, the vibe that everybody sort of has about this production company. But yet, yet. No, at the same time, they keep. I thought the recurring thing was like, oh, that's a legit thing. They haven't it's made a legit movie for a while. In, it's but... legit in so far as it's been around for a long time, but they make shit films. Yeah. You know, so there's always this mystique of that kind of thing in Hollywood. Astraeus pictures. Right. And so the crux is she gets to a point where she can either, you know, have sex with the producer to get the role, which likely is bullshit which generally is the case in real life um, or, or go back to her shitty life. Yeah. And she kind of chooses both. She first chooses to go back to her shitty life. And then that double bumps her back up into going through with it. (laughs) And so she goes through with it with severe consequences. Yeah. Very severe. (laughs) Well, it's a horror movie, right? It's what we're doing here, folks. Yeah. Okay, I feel like that's enough summary, right? Yeah. Well, okay. Should we get into our first section? Let's. What worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? <laughs> it worked like a charm, Smith. <laughs> what worked? What worked for you? So, well, it sounds like we're on the same page with, like, 
setting, characters, themes, all that stuff. Definitely. Like, the acting yeah. of, of the lead. Yeah. Everybody else I thought was fine. Yes. Nobody was like atrocious or sort of cringeworthy, no. except maybe the male casting director who was just a little too well, I don't know. unreal. Not, not to get thing. ahead to what oh, yeah, did not right. work Sorry. too much, <laughs> but I'd say I think the acting was good all around. And if there were any kind of kind of awkward moments, not as far as cringe, that was more on the script versus. Yes. Or, or you could say editing in this case yeah. too, not yeah, cutting maybe. it out. Um, yeah, I just there's something all good. super compelling about the lead uh, actress whose name in real life is Alexandra. I don't know how you pronounce this. So E S S O E. Well, she's so. It's it's her plus. I mean, she's cast so well. She really feels like this kind of. It's person. freaky to me. I think I'm always impressed when the role is to be bad at something. And then, like, but you as an actor are actually really good at acting because you are able to both be good at one point. Like, uh, how do you even describe it? You're acting <laughs> like you're an actor who's acting well and acting badly at different points in the movie. And there's something really amazing to me when that is pulled off. Have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet? Not yet. You should. I will. Maybe tomorrow. Um, so... There's another uh, a Mulholland Drive does this where like the audition that Naomi Watts's character has in the beginning you it starts off with seeming like just horrible like melodramatic acting and then like she does this shift and it's like mind blowing well, yeah, acting. Well, yeah, we feel it as well. Like the we as the audience as well as the people in the room yeah. in the movie feel it. Yeah, and I just there's something about that thing. Maybe it's because in real life I've seen it happen where w with the right direction in like an acting class. Right. And I've had some really good um, acting teachers who are just really good at, at being like, it doesn't matter if you have talent. I can kind of just push you along in the right direction. And if you're open to it in this acting class we'll get a good performance out of you. Right. But this was almost kind of like a, um, not ice, but like a, a, a zoomed in pointed, like hyper version of that where it's yeah. just all put to this moment of, of having her freak out to get to that. They, they do a really cool thing too. They, they have her. When we first meet her, we see her in an acting class being a really bad actor. Mm -hmm. and and having an obnoxious acting coach. So that sets us up to be like, ooh, she's rough around the edges. Like, she's not good. But you get she's kind of aware of that stress that's done well. Right. Then she has a dream about the audition, and that in the dream she's acting badly because, she, remember, the words are disappearing oh, yeah. on, on her side. That was really good. That's fucking awesome because that actually is what it feels it like it was like she's times. holding a page where it's just words were missing and then like it was highlighting nothing yeah eventually <laughs> it just progresses to that it's so good yeah and so so now we've been twice sort of reaffirmed that she's pretty like we've seen her be bad 
And then we get to see the the first actual audition. And she's quite good. She's like pretty in it. And she, you know, she delivers a good, what I would consider just a straight up good audition. And their reaction is to kind of just be like, okay, thanks, like next. And that is what sets her off where she's like, then she shows there's like a rule, like do not talk back in the audition. You know what I mean? Don't ask to do it again. You know, just let them dictate what's going on. I know. You You should know that at this point. (laughs) Like, that is fucking just kryptonite if you go into a room and you're like, you you show your desperation. I feel like that's the one (gasps) real moment where it's like, that's how that people who aren't actually in the world think of auditions. Like, you have to have that moment. Are you sure I can do it again? Yeah. Do you have any notes for me? (laughs) No. If they did, they would say, can you try it this way? That's how auditioning works. This is sounding like what didn't work for you, Tim. No, no, no. This is what works for me. The fact that this is what they're depicting is, Mm -hmm. is perfectly spot on because then when she gets called back in after having her fit in the bathroom... And we've seen her kind of be, we've seen her definitely be bad twice. One was real, one was not. And then a third time we were like, she's fine. She's, she's a fine actress. And that goes badly. The next time she's brought back into the room after her fit in the bathroom and they, and, and they say, can you do it again? And she's hesitant at first. She starts pulling her hair, but it's, she doesn't really have the sort of about it. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, okay, I guess you didn't really want it. And then she dives in and then she falls on the floor. And then she has like a fucking seizure on the floor and is like roaring and growling and like veins in her neck are popping out. And she's like, you know, she's uh, arching her back and fucking looks crazy. I'm like that. Now two things are happening. One, we're convinced as an audience that she's a good actress, but we also know in real life the actor, the actual actor, not Sarah Walker, uh, Alexandra, is also a good actress because she just gave us that performance of her having a fucking real flip out. Yeah. And so all that that weird layering of that type of thing for me is just really pleasing. Yeah. It, it just makes me go, oh, shit, right. There's this like crazy sort of it's like the mirror. It's like a infinity mirror thing kind of happening where you're like, oh, right. she's an actor doing a good job acting. But she's also in real life an actor doing a good job I mean, acting yes. about an actor doing a good job. I, acting. I loved all that, but didn't realize it until he said it just now, because I think like what I then relate to what's sort of same but different is like her friends and friend group of where it is more just on the side of the more generic, like, Oh, we're, we're all working on our stuff. We're want to make films. Like I just related so hard to those yeah. people. And like where I had my, my cotter of filmmaking friends in our, our mid twenties. And we were just kind of working on our projects together, making right. it happen, you know, well, encouraging each other and, and they... then to see people acting that, you know, yes. which they're, the, yes. these are probably the people who it's such a good, they're depiction. actually those people too, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> Like, there's something just fun about all of that to me. Mm-hmm. I think obviously because we've had those experiences that it's like we have our, our uh, you know, our in our window into that stuff. Um, but the uh, shit, what was I going to say about that? Oh, so the, the, the next sort of uh, s- sort of step in what I think is cool about the acting aspect of her character is the friend group 
doesn't know whether or not she's good as mm-hmm. an actor. They're all kind of just taking it for face value like everybody else in Hollywood. You know, where they're like, oh, the thing you hear the most and it's like it's basically a four letter word to a lot of people. It's like when you say you're an actor, there's this, oh, you're an actor. And it's always this this like, yeah, so is fucking every everybody says they're an actor. But who actually is good, A, and B, is being successful at it. And there's this this like gross undertone of like uh, of judgment i guess yeah and they show that really well with the other girl like her whole character is just do saying and doing all of those things like openly judging and like shaming uh the lead sarah um everybody else is pretty cool and supportive yeah but that one girl is just horrible and then that one other dude who i don't know the name of (laughs) Is just the biggest loser douche <laughs> hanger on or like creep ball. <laughs> See a good variety. Yeah. <laughs> but I just all of the characterization are they're just the they're great magnifications of a thing that is very much a real thing in Hollywood forever. <laughs> Including the side of the spectrum of her boss, Pat Healy, who is your yes. favorite. <laughs> oh my god, he's so fucking good. Which like you're like, I don't know, he's in a bunch of stuff and I like looked at his list. I'm like, "Oh, yeah, he was in these 20 things all of which I haven't seen." <laughs> I've seen probably <laughs> eight or nine things with him in it that I everyone I'm just like, "Yes." Well, if this is what worked, can you pinpoint the appeal of Pat Healy for you, Tim? Y- yeah, he's super good at being a <laughs> an Oh my god, what do you call his type? Shit. That's why, I mean, yeah, he's... He's he's an endearing dickhead. Yeah. And, and, and creep, but he's endearing. I don't know what it is about him. He's, he's got a lot of conviction in what yes, he believes. Yes, very much so. He thinks what he's saying is legit, even though we objectively are like dickhead like i think that was honestly this sounds strange but i think one of my favorite parts in the whole movie if not my actual favorite part you know what i'm (laughs) gonna say yeah is that big taters when he gives that speech to her of like i know you think this is all stupid but it's me i made this i came up with this is what you say when the people come in and leave the restaurant like, you know, I was just looking at it as another selling yourself to a corporate job That's kind right. of thing, like an actual Hooters. But no, he sells that. This, he made this place. It's the same syndrome. It's me. Of a- the actors feel all the time. Yeah. He's actually expressing the same th- generic syndrome of like, you don't appreciate how much I put into this. Yeah. But there's nothing really well, not to show even for what it. he put into it, but how it is, like how important it is how it to is him. Is a represent? Yes, yes, yeah. it's, it's him, as he put it. Yeah, and actors, that literally is true. Yeah, you are the brand, you are the commodity, and that's a very strange place to live because it's not. You can't just play a scale on a piano or play a piece and be like, "See, I'm really." good at playing this piece on the piano or mm-hmm. whatever the thing is you don't have a, a tangible thing to present it's it's literally you are presenting yourself and that's very strange 
thing to try and live in. I thought all that was really interesting, her back and forth with, uh, you know, her job, how she quits and then what asks for it back. Yeah. And then her comparing, you know, selling her soul by doing the casting yeah. couch thing to like she gets to saying, is that any different from right. selling her soul to him in a certain way? Uh, or what's the, I keep forgetting. What's the restaurant called? Big Taters. Big Taters. Duh. <laughs> um, I thought that was all interesting. Yeah, I just like the the base sort of fundamental setup is just reinforcing this this thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, you, your own, you are what you're selling and the importance of that and your quote unquote dream, like what you're willing to do to attain that dream. And Pat Healy's dream is to have a big taters. Yeah. Right? And he's got it. And people are constantly, just like when you say I'm an actor, they're constantly judging his thing that he values so much. He's like, yeah, I know it's it's corny and whatever, but it's mine. Like I I made this thing. I mean, I think it's Stop a good judging idea it. as far as tater tots over french fries. Like tater tots <laughs> are so good. You know what I think is so funny too is in the scene when she and him have the tug of war and she actually gets fired. Oh yeah. With it's a bag of french fries and not tater tots. Oh yeah. Huh. <laughs> I was like, wait. But also, I, I like think it's just drilling on taters it. is just a, a you know short for potatoes. Yeah, so maybe yeah. they sell all sorts of kinds of mm. potatoes, French fries, tater tots. Better be tater tots, folks mm. on tater tots. Since that was, okay, I want to um, okay. talk about the boss. Okay, well, just to wrap up really quick, talking about the characters in it, I mentioned it briefly, but um, her her interactions with her friends, you know, I really liked each one of those and again the relationships i found it relatable of course but the yeah i mentioned this but just to say it again they're they're all kind of wavering trust with one another Mm -hmm. like it sort of played well on this kind of i mean i don't know i mean maybe i experience this in some regard but i don't like i'd like to think i'm only more supportive of all one another but there's this weird underlying thing that they play on well in a horror movie sense of like but is this a competition too? Like right. she got the part and I didn't. Right. It's like, oh no, I'm so happy for you. Like just kind of, and not knowing if that's being honest, all that was good stuff. When, when I first moved here, a, a handful of other people I knew within the first year or so that I moved here also moved out here. So other people were kind of arriving at various times. A couple people had been here for a little bit before me. So there was this this period of two or so years where there was a flux of ins and outs. And one of the things that kept coming up with a lot of people that I knew or or even people I met where they were like, every fucking buddy has a, like some weird agenda. Like you can't trust anybody. They all are trying to fucking climb a thing. And they're, they're always asking kind of like who you know and what you're up to. And there's always this undercurrent of like agenda. Like they're, yeah. they're not actually – and this is I think what the stereotype of people in L.A. being – the other version of like people being fake – not the like plastic fake version, but the like actually being genuine people yeah. fake thing. Like they're fake to your face. Which is so funny because like you say those same words differently. And I think the positive attitude I like to think I have is more, you say, rather than we're all trying to climb up and stuff. You go, no, we're all trying to climb up. We're all trying I know. to, we can support each other. But that that's my point in this flux thing that I was seeing. Those people were all like just, they're, they're focusing so much on like, like 
a negative framing of that thing that they they worked themselves right out. None of them are still around. They didn't pers- they didn't stay here and pursue. They all like showed up, got freaked out and left within a couple years. Yeah. And, you know, it is an attitude like you can. Yes. Is that true? Sure. But you could just fucking disregard those people and go do the things you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, but we're actors, I think, in particular are fucking sensitive and mm-hmm. rightly so. That's part of the job. But they're so susceptible to the insecurities that come along with. Am I am I being validated? Am I being respected? Am I being appreciated or am I being taken advantage of? And that that those things in the, are all in this movie and it's it's quite well constructed. So, OK, I feel like still so we've the tip established of the iceberg that. of this of this film, because <laughs> just and again, the same broad setting characters theme. Da, da, da. Yeah. Talk about the characters now. Um, relationships, blah, 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 what all that fun stuff was. But the whole other side I loved for it too was just the Hollywood elite cult stuff. Right. Like that is what, you know, I, I came for that, but stayed for the other stuff we just talked about. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it is, it reminded me even of like the black cat. Yeah. <laughs> Where I was sort of like, oh shit, we're sort of seeing this trope. That's that fucking Satan like, you know, what do you call that? Harem sort of <laughs> like Satan worshiper, like elitist old people in robes. It's you just know? one of my favorites. It's been things, around you know? fucking since Black Cat, if not before that. It's such a like iconic thing. Well, it's funny in Hollywood. It, it feels like there's either I should have seen this movie before, or there should be more of them out there because it all felt common, but at the same time I can't point to any it felt like oh well no here's this movie finally you know yeah so i loved any time they were uh well i mean all that stuff that when they go to the hat when she goes to the house right. and the late night auditions <laughs> yeah all that yeah be at that be at this address in an hour and it's then like, yeah and it's like canyon drive you know it's <laughs> like just any canyon right i oh. wanted to see as an, a, a person who gets around la on public transportation a lot how she got from the metro up to oh, yeah. the hills yeah she definitely doesn't have a car yeah <laughs> a lift <laughs> did they exist in 14 oh yeah i guess they did I think so yeah um anyway yeah all that i it's fun Yes, exactly. It's fun. Um, the Satanist angle was, I, you know. It was turned out to be a demon specifically because they say. I Did think, it? Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I was a little lost say on Astraeus that. They say Astraeus is who they're, which is the name of the production company. Oh, yeah. So, I was trying to figure out what the, what the link was there. Yeah. So that's, I think, the name they're saying at the end in their ritual. Yeah, but we get the little clues, you know, we see the pentagram necklace on one of the casting, the female casting director pretty early and like Sarah actually says, oh, I love, I love your necklace. And it's yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you're going to love it. Um, and then and then the producer guy has the, it sort of branded on the back mm-hmm. of his hand, would you say? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so all that, just the fucking grossness of going to you know, a mansion in the hills to meet a producer and you're a a young woman by yourself trying to, like, get work and this is the result, the dude just putting his fucking hand between your legs. And so... It's just... I want to... Right. And I got to separate our sections of what worked, what didn't, like, talking about all this stuff. 
or especially the, the Satan worshiping side, that all worked for me in a very, very broad sense. Agreed. Like the specifics of the scenes. Yeah. Not so much. <laughs> right. But no, I agree. When we're just talking setting yep. and themes, that yep. was technically there. Yep. Totally. Um, yeah. But, so, yeah. So the, just the, the, the real life horror that is the casting couch. Yeah. And the way that they got there and the way that she lets him get to that point, her, her just eager desperation in the room of like, yes, I know I can do this for you. I, I, I'm perfect for this role. I, I'm so glad that I'm here right now. All of that leading up to him, then like sort of the other shoe dropping of like, yes, you are great for this as long as you let me have sex with you is just it's so disgustingly nauseating and, and horrifying to me to, to watch it because it's like, yeah, that's yeah, I the, felt a tale as old as Hollywood. <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah, I felt gross too when all that was happening. But yeah, when she when she finally goes through, with and it. I rooted I for her was, so hard when she right. was like, "No, let me the fuck out of here." I don't. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'll save that for the other section okay. again. <laughs> um. What else? So what else? Okay. So now we're into where things really get going. Yeah. Because of course she makes the decision to go back. Oh, one little moment before. This all sort of before she really makes her turn that I fucking love is when she's standing up on the balcony talking to her roommate and the two girls and the two guys are down swimming in the pool and the girls are like in their bikinis jumping up and down and getting pictures taken of them. And she's talking to her roommate and then you hear kind of like a slap and a fall and she looks down and one of the two, you know, dingbat kind of girls has like slipped and smashed her her nose open on the concrete and they cut back to Sarah and she gives just this amazing little like giggle. Yeah. And then the person that she's talking to looks at her looks like, at her what like, the hell? Jesus. Yeah. What the fuck's that, your problem? Tim, I don't know. Oh! That that may be in my top five laugh moments in our whole show here. Dude. Of everything we've watched. That was so funny. I forgot about That's that. That's the thing that there's, there's this little so nuance cruel. to her fucking characterization and it's mostly little moments like that, like these little like giggles or sort of like weird, well, unsettling right. sort of like like noises or or, or like well, expressions. I mean, that specifically, <sighs> it's just it's just representative of where she's at in yeah. this journey of of thinking of it as a competition or not. She's yeah. taking glee at this other and it's a, it's a rev- misery. It's a reversal of the same thing. It's it's us taking joy in seeing the people who have been dickheads to us get a little comeuppance. Right. And so there's well, this Well, for sure it's it's but it's hard for her because she's like she's just been that victim herself in the yes. worst sense. So there is something kind of horrifying to see like when someone just goes through something and then they get glee at essentially seeing someone to go through the same thing yeah. and be physically pained. It, it just makes her feel like she's the bad guy all of a sudden. Right. And it, that's what it is through. the sort of, I, it, I don't remember who in, in the psychology, you know, people of, of, of your, um, you know, why, right. Uh, it may be young, I don't know, that talks about the shadow self and it's this sort of like it's the bottom of like uh, almost like a, a, a totem pole of, of like at the very bottom is your shadow self and then there's like 
other things in the middle and the the top is like self-actualization or altruism and like that moment is her sort of to me is is this feeding the shadow self she just got whipped and now she's taking that pain out and on this other person and feeling joy it's like right not resisting it's it's the it's the ignoring of empathy and i gotta specify what was so funny about it was then her friend's reaction to her laughing yeah like because looking at her like what? yeah because part of us is on board with her and you need that other voice to be like hang on <laughs> yes but no are you serious like that's not it's still not okay okay so speaking I of it. shadow self and self-actualization i feel like i can just talk the rest of the film in terms of this of that exact, well, that different direction of her decay and Mm. negative transformation and eventual rebirth into her, maybe as you put it, shadow self incarnate. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we start with, towards the beginning, her first audition, when we see, which was... this was cool. Things of uh, things that worked. Like what worked for me was that first audition that was giving you a seizure, yeah. where lights are flashing. Oh, so I, that's the that's the callback, right? That's the callback. Right. But the first time stuff gets yes you know, weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like you have these couple frame glimpses of something's transformed with her, like yeah. whether sharp teeth or kind of a monster face a or something. Blood on her chin kind of thing yeah. happening. And then like you said, her kind of arcing back and her neck and vein popping out yeah. and just her sort of very animalistic screaming yep. and, and writhing. Um, well, that was sort of that first, it felt like that was the first sort of domino fall yeah. in a bigger sense, maybe. Yeah, and I think, you know, you can kind of make the argument, although I would personally love to have this conversation another time, of, like, people often look at sexuality and release and sort of, like, the the pleasure in sexuality as a negative, and I feel like that's kind of being exploited in this moment where – you know, in order to, for her to let go, Wait, she who has looks to, at the release of sexuality I think, and I negative. Think puritanical uh, oh. Western civilization has I mean cover put, that up. Has put exactly has pushed that narrative for a long time. Mm-hmm. I personally disagree with it, but be that as it may, it still exists in our sort of you know lexicon, I guess, right. of how stories are told like yeah so, a woman can't show her sexuality without exact. without it meaning that she wants to be sexual yeah right or yeah it's yeah it's some it's some somehow negative to to be sexualized um so when she's doing that and she's sort of moaning and and even later when remember there's that before she's really she's sort of on the path to decaying but hasn't quite really started there she just seems sick as you're saying it it and feels she's like, like lifting her shirt and shit and that's they're all the like, sort Whoa. of the horror within i think in a lot of ways is that like i see it as like a positive thing that she's you know get you know getting in touch with this real side of yeah. her but it's the context of it being exploited and for the wrong reasons yeah yeah exactly um so it's that, that yeah it's mixture. the framing of it is really cool and there is yeah there's sort of this ambiguousness as to like like in the moment when they're at the canal and she's ill and mm-hmm. they're all kind of recognizing that but then suddenly she just stands up and starts p- picking her shirt up the douchiest dude of them is trying to like take pictures of her, of her and they're like yo stop like she's fucking sick and he's like yeah like sexy slutty sick Sarah 
And he's like, I'm going to take pictures of it. And it's just that that grossness of the exploitation of this thing, right? Like, Right, and the only difference is he's uh, not wearing a suit compared to the people auditioning right. her. Yeah, but it's 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 the pervasiveness of that toxic masculinity in, and, and the all. use of camera in that context yeah, too. Yeah, so all that stuff is just these the themes and the sort of like the ideas are I and to a degree the execution are just strong yeah. in my mind. And then we escalate to what well, kind of two? It's a twofold thing of her body getting worse, which I guess, and and then her psychology driving her to be a murderer right (laughs) so the body whore tim we should start Mm. with that i love it the hair coming out is great the hair coming out it made made me reference fucking x day (laughs) oh yeah shout out (laughs) x day hair extensions yep um one of our earlier films tim i mean you guys should have seen who are listening should have seen tim during when her fingernails are coming out or about to come out i was like oh no here they come It's it's true though, right? Eyeballs, teeth, fingernails, hair for you, and right? hair are are like the ones. <laughs> They're the ones. Like I just I can see a lot of other stuff, but those ones just get me. Yeah, and I like it, but I also am like, oh no. So you know what gets me, and that was my favorite part in all the body horror was when she vomits maggots. Fuck, dude, that is... <laughs> like a full kind of like hearty handful and a half of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it actually looked like if I were to throw up the bowl of ramen I just ate, uh-huh. that it would be that much, but maggots. Have you ever seen someone or yourself thrown up after like chow mein or spaghetti? No, Well, I don't want to. I just got that visual. Yeah. That's what I imagine it would be like. <laughs> um, and then, I mean... But then she, like, plays with it. <laughs> like, she picks one up. Or well, she, like, pulls the, it out of her mouth or something. one that she feels yeah. wriggling yeah. around <laughs> in there. Oh, I love that was it. Like, I, love I mean, it. that was great, but just something about that initial burst of maggots just, like, shooting yeah. out and landing. Oh, and right before that, she lifts her shirt up, right? Or or maybe, yeah, I think she lifts oh, her shirt yeah. up. And you see something under her skin, like, moving. It looks like a little snaky sort that of was cool. thing. I love that. And so sort of concurrently with all this body horror happening to her, she seems kind of, I guess this is, well, yeah, is her, is, I was going to say is her on a psychological level getting mixed up. And so um, this, it's like she kind of is weirdly accepting of it all. Like she's, well, she's not too horrified of like, you know, as you said, when she pulls out that last worm, she's not grossed yes. out at that point. But there's a there's a moment that that tips the scale where she turns. Yeah, because she takes a phone call or she she calls them and she's like, I'm dying. I'm fucking dying. Mm. And the response is, you know, what did you think that the, you, there wouldn't be? you know pain with, pain with this oh yeah which and, talk about just good themes i yeah. mean that's that's my favorite is like and from that moment on that's when she and they say something that's i mean i can't remember how specific the the wording is or if it's kind of just vague but it's this it seems like the suggestion is now you have to go like kind of actualize right this well it's a good exploration of that idea of like you ever heard that quote when it comes to writing or creativity where it's like once the pain of not doing something is greater than the pain of doing it is when you do it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So just, yeah, I mean, that's always a favorite metaphor of mine and to see it distilled into this. Yeah. It makes it a, 
Um, well, uh, real fun. quick before the makeup work on her eyes and nose and mouth leading up to that point is quite fucking good. Yeah. Like absolutely. her, her nose being kind of just, I don't know what you even call it. It's like almost just brute. It's she like looks, way beyond having a cold. She looks you know? kind of d- dead. Yeah. I, I was impressed with the, the level of makeup. Well, and then I was impressed with the special effects makeup because when she goes on her murder spree, we had some good, memorable gore moments Hell there. Yeah. The, was it a Dude. brick or no? A uh, weight. It a was weight. like a you know a barbell. Uh, yeah, or a dumbbell. The dumbbell. It very gruesomely shows that her beating the f- her hand. The first her one, the I, I, the moment you kind of feel coming, but the execution actually they did the smart thing, which I think. They set up what you expect to happen and they follow through, but they follow through just a little left of center. I mean, almost literally with the first kill where when she takes the swipe at the shitty girl, the first shitty girl, and you know, she swiped around neck face. Oh, yeah, that height. was great. Yeah. You think that she slit her throat because we've seen that a lot and we know it's coming. And it's sort of right where you think it would happen. Right. But in actuality, she slices her face. It's which her is, lower cheek. Yeah, it's like. Just above the jaw, I like guess, the beard kinda? line, yeah. yeah. And man, what a good fucking thing! This to 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 take the injury to the face of the person who's competing with you in a world that is based so much around how yeah. you look. It was specific enough of an injury point; it felt real. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was good, and it was well executed. Like yeah. the prosthetic and the blood pumping out of it was really nicely seen. Like it's good. Okay, so then she goes on this whole rampage as a zombie girl thing and we know she's getting close to her total deterioration I mean, dude, that caving of the head in on the on the girl on the bed <laughs> yeah <laughs> fuck and i think that's actually I didn't, I didn't realize it at the time but it's kind of a continuation because that's the girl who smashes her face on the concrete yeah, the girl who she whose face she smashes with oh, a, a right. barbell or dumbbell. Well, it was. It's kind of like you're you're getting the. It's kind the of same fun injury. too. There's something. I mean, this is horrible. <laughs> That's what we're doing here again. <laughs> is like the fun of seeing this friend group and one among them, and them all reacting to this this member among them all of a sudden turning and killing them. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? Just all that was played well and yeah. satisfying. I thought. And then of course the dick bag who who's been taking pictures of her and just being generally a loser around her um she just stabs in the back ha 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 repeatedly stabbed in the back so good and he's like "Ah." um okay okay so now i just want to i guess get to the ending here because this all then escalates to a rebirth from the dirt which i loved all this right she's hairless you know which was Honestly, now, how did she get there? Oh, the 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 robed people after she kills the final guy. They're all hanging out. They're they just watching. They just show up, and I thought to myself, well, that makes sense. They've been watching her. They're going to follow up, and they're going to clean up after her, Pretty and invested. that's fine. I sort uh, of added my own so logic it, to it. That was kind of funny how it's like she already has this condition where she pulls out her hair, and then she, I think, unrelatedly uh, loses all her hair. Well, yeah. anyway, she's this reborn, I guess, the sort of... Um, the suggestion is it's like she's born again as sort of a plastic person, as sort of what she sees when she idealizes her old yes, favorite actors. Totally. She only sees it in sort of this physical sense. So right. she becomes an embodiment of that with the sparkling green eyes. Mm-hmm. 
um, smooth skin. And then what I loved the touch after literally coming out of the dirt is he's left a present that has the sort of accessories work to make her literally, if she's now a living doll, here's her accessories to be dolled up with her, her wig. And what was, what else was it? A few things like that. The dress. Yeah. The wig. Was there, oh, the necklace. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's it. Right. But it's it. That's a really good way of putting it. I hadn't really thought of it like exactly like that. But it is really like the the. It's the inappropriate self actualization. Mm-hmm. She's they are by going down this sort of shadow path, if you will, whatever. She accepts the sort of the dark side version of what she wants. The deal with the devil kind of thing. That the self actualization that she gets out of that is just all of the 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 facade aspects of what you think is going to make you successful. Yeah. You know, beauty, no lines, uh like wrinkles, the perfect hair, the perfect dress, the perfect body. Those things are all so fucking superficial. They have nothing to do with like actual talent. So I love that that's that's the pinnacle of this version of of bad self-actualization right i mean i just think it's i cr- think i liked that when i look at it isolated in itself but as a kind of ending i'm not as crazy about that's fine i think it was well i'll get into it yeah can we do that can we move on to what did not um work? Do, is there anything else that i really liked oh the the music i fucking love the music it's it's what i'd say is a now classic you know uh right. idea of doing the the throwback synth yep. score yeah but the the light the kind of Almost like a toy box kind of theme that's in there at times, especially when she's like at Big Taters. Oh, yeah. That fucking... That's really effective to kind of tie in her sort of what you imagine when she's a kid wanting to be an actor. Yes. And sort of looking up to actors. This sort of, oh, Hollywood, fame and fortune. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Next section. Totally. All right. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> okay, so unfortunately, <laughs> in a lot of ways, it all of the things that work are cased in in a bad package. The it's just not executed in it the 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 execution does not match the sort of the depth of the story i think yeah and i think that's there's a bunch of reasons why that is do you think it has to do with it being uh two male filmmakers i think that could just certainly lend itself to it i think budget is clearly you know i mean i'm all for into... like you know men filmmakers casting women their leads but when it's a story like this i almost would have rather had it be a male lead in a way hmm i know that'd be interesting or i I guess like what i should really say is i would have rather had i guess more of a a female influence in in the voice because i think right a lot of things were mud i don't know i I, okay i'm you're just putting me off on an initial tangent i didn't think i I was gonna go on (laughs) but um but like uh yeah i didn't think it'd start here but like um it something about the distillation of the ideas felt kind of one note i guess it's, it i think it's it's 
or simplistic. It's one dimensional in a way. Like sort of, okay, we know the cast and catch thing is bad and, and that's it, you know? Yeah. So Satan. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It didn't, I don't know. It didn't feel like it explored it in a sort of more nuanced way. Like, again, I said, I liked all the ideas were there, but well, okay. And I mean, that connects to what also, uh, it didn't fuck dude. You know what this movie is Hmm. in a way this is, this is Suspiria. It's not, but it is in a certain way where like, in broad strokes, it's very similar. And, yeah. and the new Suspiria in particular of it. where that goes in its art direction and execution of these themes is what I wanted this movie to do. But well, it's I'll, just not, also, it's not I could on the say same level. I wanted what uh, Black Swan did. Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, okay, okay. Well, to, to kind of get away from where we were going in that direction, we'll, we'll probably go back there. Um, there was... I'll, I'll bring this up a lot where there's kind of competing sort of styles or, or things for me going on in it. Whereas for me, like the, okay, it had this very sort of like, like I, I hate ragged on movies because they are low budget and you can see it kind of thing. But yeah. I think it did hurt it in the sense it yeah. worked. The low budget worked for this in the, in the realism of the, um, what we talked about to, to lend an impact to the gore moments at the end. Yes. Um, but I think what was more important to this film is the sort of, and it felt like where they started to push, but didn't fully go was the satire angle of like the casting of all the bad guys. Like remember the casting director guy and the woman, and then the main producer guy, Mm -hmm. like they all felt like they were from a movie, like I said, society or Cronenberg, where you want a sort of more deliberate style of filmmaking that's not just the sort of the run and gun quote unquote realistic mm-hmm. kind of you know that that brings that sort of verite to it i wanted something that felt it, it needed a heavier hand for me in in the filmmaking yeah um in order to sort of um make that not feel as kind of misplaced and weird as far as the casting and um some of the dialogue and character choices in that sense. Like what, it, yeah, the, the, the big taters. Well, that's not it. Was it? I keep, yeah, that's it. That's it. It's, it is big taters. Yeah. Like that in itself, just as a spoof of Hooters, like it right. makes you, a, <laughs> it, you know, that felt like out of, I just watched uh, the, the new Rocco's modern life. <laughs> you know, it felt like that kind of just blatant satire of our society, but, but yet it also had this grounded style to it. Anyway, you get what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah, you're right. It's, if you're going to do that, you can do that in this movie. You can have both in this movie. Yeah. But you need to, in a way, I almost think you need to, you need to know when you're anchored to the, the, the sort of the indie filmmaker aesthetic and the heightened reality you aesthetic. Can have, aesthetic. Like you can still have the realism with that heightened reality, but maybe it's just really specifically the aesthetic of like the shaky cam or I don't know what it is or just the how it looked visually mm-hmm. just felt like low budget, like the camera or how the lighting or something like that. There aren't a lot of lens changes in this, <laughs> no. in this film. So there, that's part of it. Like, I, as I put it, it didn't quite earn the uh, the Roman numerals in the opening title. You know, where that makes you feel like you want <laughs> something like House of the Devil. Like, yeah. you know, that yeah. felt 
like that filmmaker, it felt like, oh, this this kind of earns that, you know, that 70s feel of it right. being kind of you're in the reality of it. This is a legit real movie. I don't know. It's, yeah. It's very I mean, broad terms. I, it but... almost feels like it's shot on mm, like mini DV or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's not quite a film camera aesthetic. Yeah. You're not getting, you know, you're not getting long lenses with like a lot of, um, uh, shallow depth of field or, you know, and, you know, things that kind of, that we inadvertently just associate with cinema look. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, one other thing is there, if, if they, if they actually lit purposefully lit things with actual like like a grip package and and like had a gaffer and a dp like actually lighting the scenes we were looking at that credits list they had a good amount they had them but everything seemed like it was lit practically yeah and so that's cool but it's it it didn't it seemed middling to me yeah like you can if like if you're limited and you need to light everything practically there's a couple shots where i was like oh this looks cool because of the limitation like when the 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 friend who lives in the van there's a couple shots of him in the van and there's one practical lamp next to him in the van and because of the space and the framing looking through the door of the van the way that's framed and shot is quite pleasing yeah. and it feels good it feels specific and it feels art directed yeah but that's very throughout the rest of the movie there's not a ton of that it just I've, i feel like i've said this before maybe in the with, mansion a little bit this has been like an it's, i guess something i've said for other films too what we're getting at but to sort of make put it try to put it in not purely aesthetic terms it feels like there's just a bit too like light of a touch in sort of their the, the filmmaker's perspective mm-hmm. like on the person who's the produ- the evil producer bad guy like it, that just makes it feel so it's a little well, I don't know we're just I feel like I'm repeating myself yeah. now which I am of just the not lending but, itself to the not taking full advantage of the cat like yeah well yeah. and there's kind of repeated things that that seem almost like filler like we see her writhe around in her bed which is a very stock sort of looking shot with a pretty vague gray wash of light in it it's not there's no style to it it's kind of just a there she is in the bed writhing around yeah and it seems like if you're gonna go back to that like something in in a horror film like something more should be happening like the contrast should be like way fucking up (laughs) you know or something or like a streak of light should be coming through like breaking the frame of something stylistic should be happening and it just kind of was just a shot of a person in a bed yeah and so there's this vagueness i guess to it in a lot of scenes even the stuff that's lit cool in the the mansion when um, when she's having this sort of casting couch thing, it all just seemed very standard. Like everything's fairly well lit. It's yeah. just kind of like, yeah, there's a few lamps and then we've got our coverage and it's just a little middling so to me. So for a movie that's all about this Hollywood 
demon cult. I I wanted a whole lot more from that whole right. idea. It felt like maybe it was that it didn't feel like it showed anything different or new or interesting, but just like it, it just felt like it never delivered on what this core premise was for me. Yeah. Like Satan like worship like Hollywood like, Satan worshipers, you know, taking advantage of women, blah blah blah. Like the it, dudes in the masks and the hoods, it's I just is sort of like I, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Is it? It's it's hard because I want to say it's it's like I wanted you you can have less, which this was, but still have there be more. So I'm trying to compare this to like how Hereditary did it, where there's this whole like cult aspect, and you feel like there's a whole richness mm-hmm. to it, or that there's a lot to sort of gleam on your own. But this just sort of felt like oh, it's just kind of nothing to pick up on. But here's a perfect example of that. That like. The nothing to pick up on. Remember in the Black Cat, there's it's it's a very short scene, but it is the scene where all of the affluent people show up and they are the sort of Satan worshippers in the dungeon. Yeah, and there's about maybe what forty five seconds of us just getting these canted fucking like super wide close ups at different angles of those people before they kind of put their hoods on, and we get to feel the fucked upness of them as people getting into this ritual thing. This one just had old people dressed up walking in a line up a path. We see them kind of in one shot and then they're in a circle around the pentagram and they're holding these like LED lights. It's so lame. (laughs) Yeah. Hold can't like fucking get candles for God, like something that's at least a little cooler. They're like little fucking dashboard lights. You can it, see them shit. say like, wait, put it on the blinking setting. That will be way cooler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, what are they? Are they going to fucking pull out glow sticks and have a rave? It just it's lame. Yeah, like I agree. <laughs> it, it, it your budget like you can burn shit. Mm-hmm. With no budget, I wonder if they wrote it for candles, but like it was too tricky to execute, or, or like Griffith they couldn't Park get a f- didn't yeah, allow them yeah, to yeah, do exactly. it. Exactly. So fuck it. Do something totally different. Right. Exactly. Did, like, let that spur. Let that inspire something totally different. Yeah. It's like it'd be it'd be like if you were like, hey, we're gonna do a fucking cool Star Wars movie. Here's a flashlight. It's your lightsaber. It's like no, 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 no. You need an actual thing, or just find a different. You could. Uh, yeah, you could you could just mess with the perspective, like show us less, like yeah. have it all be from her perspective. Dude, and it's just that shot of her in the grave in the fucking like plastic mm-hmm. is awesome. Yeah. But why isn't the rest of what's happening around her in that same sort of like fucked up weird yeah. vibe? And that that's that that disconnect is so weird. Yeah, to me. I, exactly. I wanted to be going Exactly, you just said more like, "What the hell's going on?" Oh my god! If but you're I just gonna, never kind of got that if you're gonna until be her rebirth in the grave with her, showing her like in this plastic bag writhing around. Get the camera, get, not really matching, but get the fucking camera up in those so motherfuckers' faces. Even just like throughout the whole film, like what didn't deliver me with the Satan stuff. I'm trying to think about it. Is like the all the bad guys that we have. It's like okay, yeah, the the actors they look like bad guy character actors. But I never like felt scared of them. They never sort of had this no. this this threat threatening feel to them. 
except for I can if if unless there's anything to say on that, except for, you know, when she finally does succumb to his sexual advantages and decides to go that route for whatever she wants. And we both said, yeah, that made us feel gross. But I don't think that felt earned like at all. You know what I would have liked to have seen? Hmm. Instead of the moment where she calls the casting director and says, like, I'm dying. And the guy's like, Sarah, there are consequences. You know, he's got this very weird manner of speech. It's like over enunciating thing that he's doing. I would rather her actually physically get to him and they have like a like like an interaction where he's pulling her apart or like pulling the teeth out of her mouth or like like proving the point that you have to. He's like he's making her go through this thing and like saying this is what it fucking takes. And to have that physicalized is way more powerful. So so to connect it to what I was just kind of saying, do you you think that could have worked in lieu of her actually then going and giving him head? Like, I think, hmm. I I mean, you didn't respond to what, I'm curious what you think of what I just said when I was like, that just didn't feel earned to me at all when she finally does that. You know what I mean? It felt gross, but it felt like, it it's all at the mm. same time. It just kind of felt like, oh yeah, okay. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. If we're gonna, yes, I think we should have seen something more. Mm-hmm. You know, in Irreversible. <laughs> like I thought, yeah. Well, no, I haven't seen it. Oh so my you... god! You must. <laughs> you must. But you, you know, I. Th- it's some exactly. of the most upsetting shit. I thought the scene was going to continue. Like, okay, this is where it starts. Now the weird Satan stuff is going to happen, and then it just didn't. Like Midsummer, mm-hmm. the fucking sex scene. Like you could have gone into something in that realm, <laughs> right? When the woman's pushing him from yeah. behind. <laughs> if there's a, if she starts, if she agrees to do the the act, the, right? The like whatever the sex act is. If she agrees to that, let's see the outward sort of like fucked upness of this group that right. is promoting that. Yeah, exactly. Like Midsommar like, had all these weird supporting details of the specificity yeah. of their cult. This was just like, okay, she's doing it and I feel gross and oh, and then the scene's over. Okay. Yeah, because mm, yeah, if you have that, then she's got people to go back to. And they, oh man, you know what would have been fucking even cooler is if when she's having sex with the guy finally, you don't have to show almost anything, but you can show his slimy fucking body, right? And you can show just pieces of skin like mm-hmm. pressing against each other. And you can show the look on her face in a fucking close up, right. like all of that. And then if you're also showing these people who show up in robes or whatever, but then they're like, gesticulating around whatever they're doing something to just make it feel gross and whatever but you can she can see their faces i think that would actually add this sort of like oh and i mean it also didn't feel like the natural progression of this this sort of when we have that like we talked about that scene that worked for me the very first one of when she's um at the callback when we see her like demon self coming through Mm -hmm. like like visually physically and her going to this crazy place like well what about all that stuff (laughs) i don't know yeah it makes me think there's almost a missed it's almost in the wrong order 
Like in a way, shouldn't yeah. she actualize, become the like demon person, and then kill well, all her friends? Was, uh, what I'm saying is that it would have been cool, and then to see, oh wow, if this is the starting place, then where is it gonna go? Right. But then it just didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So there's just some. It just didn't quite land. Well, so talking about how that there was never the payoff or the the whole demon the the whole cult side of things. God, which just sounds so cool. Hollywood demon cult. And it just wasn't there for me. But um, also what didn't feel like a natural progression and just was really out of left field. It was cool in itself, the murder rampage. But yeah, what was that all it about? It seemed, yeah, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's weird. It's if, out of place. Yeah, that's not okay. You know, talking about promise of the premise. I'm like, okay, like. I don't know. You know, she wasn't even like commanded to kill them all. It was just sort of like, right. She did, did it because she was you f- fully reached the jealous point, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I would like kind of what I was saying before. If we've established this horrible sex sort of the, the, the extent of the, the, the cult around the sex scene, let's say. And we're connecting to it can still be the the casting directors, the woman or the guy, right? The not mm-hmm. the producer who she ends up sleeping with, but the two creepers. Yeah, yeah. If she's connected to them or whatever, and then when she's falling apart physically and she goes back to one of them and they and they give her the ch- another choice. They say, Oh, is if this is too much for you, we can snap our fingers and make it go away. Or you they and then they can show her what she'll be getting mm-hmm. if she follows through, and that's great. So we now really, really kind of get a sense of like sh- watching her say, "Okay, I want to not be in pain anymore, but I cannot be in pain and have success, or I cannot be in pain and go back to my old life." Right. And we don't get that kind of moment of which will she choose? Yeah, she and, had that. And if she says, well, I want I want the, the the success version, the woman could say, that's fine. But here's what you have to do in order. Here's the last thing you actually have to yeah. do in order. We needed a little more of a push. Or giving her interesting choices versus a sort of like, I guess I'll keep going along. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Give her a conflict. Well, and to... <laughs> To go off of how it seemed like there was almost a little hesitation when you were trying to say, show her the possibility of what she wants. And then you said success is the word you landed on. Sort of. (laughs) Because this is when we talked about where it ended with her being the Barbie doll with the wig. Mm -hmm. That is muddled for me. Like you can kind of do both. But like, okay, yeah, you said she was after success. But then based on the ending, it felt more like supposed to be like i know this was a cool movie neon demon where it's the like they're movie. kind of different those are kind of different stories almost is she going after this sort of unattainable physical barbie perfection thing that she you know how she misviews uh what it means to be a star or is she going for fame because like the whole movie i thought it was that it was about being famous i like, think that i i think it's almost where it needs to be but never quite hits it in that like have she her be is not, mistaken. Right. Like have her be not typically attractive like this actor or something and then make the story about just be fame. I don't know. Or Well, no, I, I'm, I, just I, to, I, I'm just trying to I say agree. Keep, like, I, pick a lane. I don't know. Yes, exactly. I think I, I, I like kind of the idea that that she's she's misguided in what she thinks success is. And she got 
her version of success, which is actually just to look a certain way. And like we don't there's nothing to suggest that she then becomes a a actual successful actress. Maybe that's we're supposed to just, you know. Right. And where's the indication of that? I thought it would end. But it would be. Oh, she's going to be famous. You'll be really fucked up if it was just like you got what you wanted. And she's like, yeah, but. But where do where's the like when do we start shooting the movie? Right, that and, was and they're like, I kept wanting that's to say not that what it's for. I kept wanting to say <laughs> that snidely to you the whole movie. It's like, oh, I hope she got her start date now. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right. So the the misplaced aspect of that, I, you know, I think is a cool idea, but it never pays off. Yeah, we're just exactly. supposed to be like, okay, cool. She got. She, you know, she looks like a, you know, a 30s or 40s movie star and therefore mm-hmm. mm, it's not quite I, enough. Yeah. And again, like that, those are those are two different. They're, they're overlapping. They're both there in the sort of Hollywood success thing. But there's, I don't know, unatt- you know, this sort of idea of a, a physical perfection. Right. And yeah, stardom well, and, are, are very, are they're different things, right. which... Maybe to your point earlier about like men directing this, yeah. it sort of feels like there's there's where like a crack in the in the larger you know point of view, yeah, of of who the characters or what the characters believe in. Right, it's a little too mm, one dimensional. Maybe that's their uh, just the the pre Me Too side of things coming yeah, through. Could be where it's like okay, you know, maybe yeah, it's not so it's would put less blame on that because it's like they're they're doing as much as uh let's say as much as they can if i'm also ragging on it but it's like (laughs) just to show it at all you know is was something Mm -hmm. then especially where now it's like you you know even then we're like oh i'll uh oh duh this is happening but just to sort of point to it maybe that's just sort of more what this movie was doing but when it's just so rich with ideas and themes to explore and it just didn't didn't do it yeah yeah. But wait, you still officially gave it a buy it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I really like her performance. Yeah. That's and reason enough to own something. I'm just I'm just clarifying cuz I don't think you ever said buy it, you know? Yeah, it's a pretty it's a it's sort of a it's like a it's an asterisked buy. Right. Like I said, if it was a cheap Blu-ray. No, <laughs> I've done that plenty. We're allowed. Um Anything else before things of note? I, I not have a handful really. of stuff for it, actually. Yeah, I've got some things to know. You were probably have half the same things. Um, mm, 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 no, no. I mean, yeah, we covered everything. I mean, I'm sure there's more about it. This was enough. <laughs> I, this is all I had down. There was something when we were watching it that I thought to myself, remember to, to like rag on this. And I don't remember. Oh, it was a cobweb continuity. It's a lame one. It's it's just cigarette continuity. Do you really want to no to go there? Okay, then that, we won't. You know what it is. A cigarette uh, should just Tim, stay. Are you gonna go there or not? Fuck. No. <laughs> okay, because we can. No. If you want. Okay. All right. Things of note. Things of note. <laughs> this should be interesting. Um, 
I thought it's been fun to kind of what uh, we, we did this before where I, I, I find polls, you know, I don't like to let other reviewers necessarily inform reviews inform what I think, but I mm-hmm. think they're interesting talking points. So that's why I didn't want to put this under what didn't work or whatever. But um, yeah, I wanted to hear what you thought of these. Um, so this was maybe this is what I was kind of getting at with uh with uh well I'll just read it. This is from the Dissolve. Mike D'Angelo said, "All great horror movies and most crappy horror movies, for that matter, are fundamentally symbolic. Usually, it isn't terribly hard to work out what real world elements lurk underneath the booga booga, but conscious recognition won't necessarily blunt the film's power." What will blunt the film's power is preceding the symbolic spookiness with a literal presentation of what is whatever is being symbolized, meaning the casting couch right. aspect. The, like what I was, like how she actually goes through with it and we see it. It's like <laughs> the comparison he says is like in, in a racer head, it would be as if we saw the if we saw Henry like having an actual baby and then <laughs> at the end has the weird baby, you know? <laughs> Yeah, that's an interesting thought. I think I think there's an there's some that's not that's not the specific reason I think I was getting at why it wasn't more, but I think it's an aspect of it for sure. Yes, like it's when I said, like, why do we need to see? It's it, almost you know? two different movies. Yeah, we're we're yeah. It's a horror movie about the like exaggerated stuff. Like it's not a catching casting couch Sundance drama. You know this movie is just as valid if you eliminate the satanic cult stuff. Right. If, if, if it's just an exploration of how living in a world where things like the casting couch and shitty friends and like the, the unraveling of your fucking like psych, psyche because of that shit and it leads you down this path of thinking you're falling apart mm-hmm. and, and and you know having a physical manifestation of your psychological uh unraveling and that leads you to killing all your friends minus all of the cult shit yeah that movie still actually would be fun it would actually so, make almost a little more sense or i think the flip of maybe what you're getting at is then cut make a, the satanic movie and cut all the casting couch stuff out exactly that's what this reviewer is saying exactly so, so i I think both could work yeah they're kind of mixing uh they're not mixing a metaphor but they're yeah i don't know what you would call that but yeah the <laughs> and, literal um, the literal and the metaphor are are overlapping each yeah, other okay right? and, and that's so it's interesting and so yeah maybe you know Things that sounds a little more what didn't work, but still things of note just to see what you think about it. Um, I think this was a, a female reviewer on Letterboxd um, saying <laughs> this is she writes first in quotes. I think she's coming from the angle like I was saying it's too simplistic, like a reading and telling of these ideas. Mm-hmm. She says in quotes, actually, let me explain. Actually, let me explain to you how hard it is to be a woman in the movie industry. Ladies, be extra bitchy to each other and strip down to your underwear. Quote, two dudes. You yeah. know, and she says, honestly, yeah. cut out all the dialogue and you've got a solid four star movie. Mute it and put Goblin on the stereo or something. <laughs> Which is kind of like what Neon Demon was. Kind of. Um but do you think there's something to that? We kind of touched on well, it, but Neon, to explore it more. Well, Neon Demon actually, in a way, is 
what I just described without the satanic cult shit. Yeah. That's kind of what that movie is. It's watching people unravel because of the fucked upness of that industry. But still from a, a surreal, like, right. like, to putting it to a surreal extent. Yeah, which I think is totally fine. Yeah. It's got fucking style, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. But do you think there's, I mean, I don't know, I thought there was something to pick apart about as far as, uh, as far as her saying if it is too simplistic reading yeah. in that sense. I think you can you can make that argument that like <laughs> they are being fairly reductive of their depiction of yeah. of women. Yeah. But again, do you think that is perfectly appropriate for 2014 or should Ooh. it have been more? Mm. We confirmed, so, we think so there were ago. Ubers then. <laughs> so long ago, five whole years, I was wildly overweight. <laughs> we were looking forward to watching the new Louie. Oh my God. Oh no. Weird. Um, There are no new Star Wars movies yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think she's, uh, yeah, I think she's right. She's... She's, this is, she's making the point in a way that, that is the reason the Me Too movement happened, right? This is, is, uh, the last sort of breaths of people, you know, buying into a pre Me Too world. Mm Mm-hmm. And not really getting it, not digging a little deeper to like actually look at the implication of these things where it's almost are you kind of saying where it's almost you know it's a given that this is the world versus um is it a given that this is you mean that the the, the directors like as if felt of it as a given yeah or i i don't know what I'm i trying think to what i'm saying is their one-dimensional take on this is representative of a time before we Here, were the, the, honed in on how women actually felt right yeah, yeah, yeah. And now we're more fucking we've we've gotten to hear those voices and it makes us actually take a minute to go, hang on, is this accurate? Is this valid? Or am I just being am I just falling into old tropes uh that are implicitly misogynistic? Yeah. Okay. To keep it going, um when you said earlier when we were talking, I thought it was interesting where you said how like the word actor here in LA, it's like a four letter word. Yeah. But I don't know. I like, I like to counter that. You know, I always think, man, oh, you that, haven't been that... to the parties I've been to. No, I have. <laughs> um, but my response to that is I, I know I love actors. I think it's cool. It's like, whatever, but um, you're a nice person. <laughs> well, I, I, here's my question for you. Do you believe that everyone can be an actor? Uh, not everyone, no. I think almost anybody can be coached into a good performance. That's my question. Yeah. The Soderbergh approach. Yeah. I mean, I've watched people who are... So in reference... Consistently in their own way. Right. So, and can't get out of that. So be it, coached well and yeah. then suddenly give a performance where you're like, I you did not think that that was that that person was capable so kind of in reference to this movie when she finally gives over to her honest side like what is happening when that when that non-actor reaches that 
that similar success point. What is happening to who? That non-actor. Like, what is that turn? For them? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think lots of the time it's super fucking scary and it makes them go, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the but, time, but when what happens when it gives them when they give over finally, like what's that? Well, turn? unfortunately, in in my experience of watching that kind of thing happen, um, it's one time is not enough. Yeah, they we all fall back into our safe sort of safe habits and our you know our um uh are what's the thing your neuroses yeah. and the things that make you that you you hold too tightly your point to. of non-growth yeah yeah your place of non-growth we're we're all gonna do that good actors in in my experience are the ones that are willing to let go of that thing yeah and most people are not willing to let go you can get like one good performance in a moment out of them and by and large they won't come to class the next time yeah um, so I thought it was interesting to, I think of these sort of themes and ideas in reference to looking, okay, how do I start saying this? But this hypothetical future, if if now this movie is playing on ideas of we are living in a culture of scarcity versus an ideal eventuality of a culture of plenty in terms of one out of every however many hundred actors are going to find, quote, you know, unquote, success kind of thing, you know, or she says, you know, I'm the one of the people who's going to make it, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I think, like, Will, do, do you see acting being different in the culture of plenty? Like, I was wondering if you agree with me at all, like, where I could see a hypothetical future where everyone who ever has wanted to act can, can find a place to act. Where and when when it doesn't come, become about how famous and mm. do I have to be, I really feel like and and hmm. then, and then also when that sort of applies to filmmakers and maybe you know sort of what we've seen as far as what technology has allowed, where there can also be a lot more filmmakers and theater directors, whatever. Um, and then once we sort of I don't know change our our culture to sort of like oh no it's okay we almost have you know villages in a sense to entertain where we have sort of clusters and groupings because like we all know there's nothing better than live music right you know and, and or going to a screening where they're there talking to you right well i don't know i'm i just i just i'm wondering if you agree with the optimist in me where it's like someday this story will, will be an impossibility there are i think a large number of variables that will prevent that from coming to fruition could could if youtube has taught us anything it's something very simple your appeal is not um is uh, your appeal in one sort of niche does not imply crossover to a larger scale the the YouTube stars or influencers or whatever the the Jake Pauls of the world and there's lots of other people who've made a huge following on these sort of little funny sketchy you know joke videos whatever that may be somewhat and there's and those are val they have value I'm not I'm not shitting on them at all but YouTube 
tried to uh, parlay that into wider audience feature film um, storytelling. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't work. Those, those YouTubers aren't good at that other medium. I think yeah. And so the translation yeah. doesn't doesn't work in that way. So that's one lesson that we've learned. But you can also see in there how there's always it's kind of the idea of the 1000 true fans where I think anyone who's like an artist or creator in a certain sense like as specific as their vo their voice can be super specific, but they'll find this many people not in their field who relate to it or enjoy it kind of thing. And therefore um, you know, if we can actually find a way for them to find each other. And therefore, there will always there will be enough actors when that's the case. But I think it's a matter of cultivating the the I guess I'll use the word talent, but the, that's not what I mean. The craft, mm -hmm. whatever the craft is, two things need to happen. One, one is the artist needs to cultivate the craft. And the other is the audience needs to demand the craft like the 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 engagement with the craft. Mm -hmm. And so in the like you're saying in the in the model of of musicians, the the audience wants that particular craft. Right. But so you see but when I'm saying the if it's the culture of plenty mindset where there's room for all of us to all of us to succeed kind of thing, then I think people will they, they won't put the pressure on themselves too much that actually is self-defeating in what they need to that, do to grow. Sure. Because yeah, then they that'd actually, be nice. Then they actually will get in the practice of making those first films or acting blah, 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 or playing their instrument every day, yes, whatever it is. Yes. If Absolutely. If we lived in a culture that did not discourage your pursuit of the craft by putting so much on your success or by diminishing it yeah. one way or the other saying that it's such a pipe dream it can't happen or that it's too hard or that it's not valid as a career path all yeah. of those things are wrong thinking in my opinion like let people go after what they want um but it's an interesting question because at the end of the day just because somebody has the let's say the the 10,000 hours sort of rule of uh, Malcolm Gladwell that, that you become an expert after about 10,000 hours of working on a thing. Just because you've spent the 10,000 hours doesn't mean that that where you've arrived is what people will want. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. But I don't know. I, think I don't know. To, I mean, it's a really out, interesting. More like philosophically, esoterically, I guess, though, I really believe that if you're not, if we weren't in this competitive mindset as a whole, if then there is sort of a natural balance. Like we see that in nature, you know, but when you're swimming upstream against that, it ain't it, it, for, for a, when, when you're looking at it as a purely competition. And I think what made me think of all this and why I saw this applicable and things of note Bisbee just says acting seems like the, the probably the biggest profession where it feels like it's a, a and a horror movie can exploit it well as far as that competitiveness of mm -hmm. the idea of only one in however many hundred thousand or right. thousand of you are going to quote unquote find success in yeah. a traditional sense. Well, and so, also because it's boiled down to it's you and it's not your skill at a at a tangible thing. It's, yeah, it's you as a as an entity in and of itself. <laughs> Um, anyway, that's I could talk about that for a whole podcast, but I just wanted to bring it up as food for well, thought. Well, I mean, 
kind of in a way to wrap back around to the movie, part of what you're saying, the movie as a thing of note, got largely funded, maybe not totally funded, but largely funded through Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. So what they're presenting, people were, you know, the demand factor in all of what we're talking about is still a factor. Yeah. Um, So it it was, you know, there was a demand enough for it to raise enough money to at least get Pat Healy attracted to it. Because they got across those themes that, again, you liked. So... Not everybody is going to be able to hone in and present a thing that has demand. I think that's just true in the world. I think it's, yeah, I guess I kind of disagree in the optimistic sense, right? I think a large part of it that I haven't mentioned too, except briefly, is I think we're going to have, be able to connect the what people are looking for and who's delivering it more streamlined versus just like whoever is the one who somehow gets noticeable in the mainstream is the one who then finds their their uh, fans so to let's speak. say let's say all presentation is accessible and that all, all eyes can see all things being presented let's just say hypothetically every person who relates to every individual thing will have access to it and and can engage in it. But there's always still going to be a debate among the viewers or the consumers as to the merit or the, you know, how much they like the thing. That debate's always going to exist. Right. I mean, how much they like it. And that will determine, I think, largely the continuation of it. So it's almost inherently competitive. But with a a, a mindset of scarcity you also have um an, a mindset of distrust until you sort of let's say have it's it's an influencer or a friend tell you hey you should listen to this artist like when you see it could be your new favorite band but because they have like no followers you just gloss over them when looking at whatever but and that's because we don't trust it on its own you know but I'm saying in a world where that tr- the trust factor is eliminated, yeah, there's still going to be an, an inherent conversation about how much or how little somebody likes the thing. Right, but but, and then I, that I guess beco- I, that that becomes how the thing is then framed, and then yeah. it, so there's almost like an inherent. But as long as you know, a, uh, but you say how value right. judgment. Right. On everything. But I mean, the, all that is aside, I guess my point of saying within how much someone will love that, you'll have the people who love it plenty, you know, even if it's just X amount of people. Yeah, but humans are dicks. There's always people who are going to be like, nah. Right, nah. But, but that doesn't matter. I'm, I'm not talking about getting, I don't know, about not everyone has to like everyone. I agree. But that's that's not a determinant for success in a sort of I think um, a, maybe a new a new mode that we should define it as. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I mean, well, that's a fucking that, head turner. That's what I just said. Uh, <laughs> we could keep talking about it. Um, we kind of touched on this, but I thought it was really interesting how the, the stuff of her admiring the starlets on her wall, mm-hmm. like these old, and how from her vantage point and like the ending of the film where she has green eyes, it seems like she's just focused on the sort of 
this like physical star quality right. that's unrealistic. Yet what I thought was interesting is how what made all those old actors or any actor like that famous or succeed is because of authenticity in a yeah. certain sense is because they offered their authenticity on the screen. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Yeah. I mean, this this movie got a lot of fucking What else do you got trivia-wise or anything? I have a I few. I mean, just the award stuff. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I agree with this one. Excellence in poster design at South by Southwest. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you look at what uh, the 20 things we learned from the commentary Film School Rejects article? No, where is that? So the here are my two. Oh, I think I just I pulled two it. that I liked. Do you want to hear them? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Sarah's initial, this is, yeah, quote, Sarah's initial audition for the cult was shot in Brian Udovich's production office, who I guess made the film The Wackness from 2008, which used to belong to Howard Hughes. Mm -hmm. The famous story about him peeing in all the bottles and locking himself in his office literally happened right above this office where the audition (laughs) scenes were. Awesome. Um, I mean, that's why I'm wondering if you were there, then you got to, that's why I said at the beginning, if you actually did an audition there, then you went to Howard Hughes's office. I'll have to double look if I've actually ever been in that (laughs) building. I think I have. Um... Oh, and then for us, and, and if you along with us have seen or possession or listened to our episode, they said uh, Sarah's violent audition at 16 minutes. Um, yeah, Sarah's violent audition, the one that we talked about, was strongly inspired by Zawalski's possession. Hell and specifically yeah. the scene with Isabel in the subway. They said we watched that film as an inspiration for how raw an actor's performance can truly get if you just kind of push them. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And then did you know that her pulling her hair is an actual disorder. Yeah, called it's called tryptomania. Trichotillomania. Tri- sorry, trichotillomania. TTM. Yeah. Um, yeah, hair loss. A brief positive feeling may occur as hair is removed. Yep. Now, this is what got, shocked me, though. It's an estimated to affect 1% to 4% of people. That seems like a lot. It's a, it's a self-soothing. It's like a lot of these little things like that are fairly common. It just seemed really common to me. Yeah. Um, oh, and the last thing I had, Tim, looks like we'll be seeing Alex S.O., however you say her name, the lead in this. Yeah, I don't know. As, uh, I think, a bit part, but in the new Doctor Sleep <gasps> movie as a sequel to The Shining, she's playing oh, Wendy Torrance. Far out. And as we know, if you saw the trailer for Wait, that- it, Wendy is- the wife. The it's wife. Shelley Duvall. So she's playing Shelley Duvall because we saw that it is a sequel to the actual movie because it like takes actual oh, imagery Shelley, from the films. Yeah. Yeah. So Wendy it, lives. Yeah, but I looked in the um Interesting. That's no, cool. no, but I think it's like what we got from the trailer. It's gonna be sort of in flashback or whatnot, yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean if she's playing yeah, I would have to. Yeah. Shelley Duvall's not actually gonna be in it, is she? Uh, I don't think so. If okay. they are that'd be cool it's a if surprise. she was. Yeah. All right, you got anything else? No, but Alex, you know, if you want to hang out, I should. I, I like. She would be awesome in a couple ideas I have. She's good, man. <laughs> Is that your thing of note? <laughs> <laughs> That's my thing of note. Call me. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's do our recommendations. Wrap up, starry eyes. Um, go ahead. <laughs> Well, because I mentioned it earlier, I, I guess mine's going to be the new Rocco's Modern Life mini movie on Netflix. Rocco's Modern Life Static Cling. Um, <laughs> what? That's what it was called. It's 
I don't even know what Rocco's. I know, Modern I know. Life this is, is our, a cartoon, right? Yeah, this is our okay. age difference coming into play. You should watch it. Should I? Yes, Ugh. because this is my recommend. I mean, okay, I will. No, Tim. First, you gotta watch. I saw the devil. <laughs> Shit. Um, someday. But Rocco's Modern Life, Static Clean, guys, it was so good. It was like better than it had any right to be. It was. It it. It had, I don't know, it is the best of what I remember the show being as a kid, but like even better as far as the satire, seeing it applied to modern day, it was done so well, still in the spirit of the original show. I don't know. It was just so, so smart and even did a lot to kind of inspire the kind of um, the, the, the sort of millennial stereotype of, um, or not, I don't want to say even for millennial, but kind of like. I just relate it to it because he knows he's making it for our generation, but hmm. he he encourages uh, change and the, you know doing things difficult in life. Then I say he as the uh, creator, but I don't know. It was surprisingly inspirational, and it's uh, oh God. What I'm sorry, this is kind of long, but <laughs> it was okay. It's a really unique opportunity for a creator to take to have his fans of his show grow up and then have something he wants to say to them and then mm. executing it in a, in a really okay. successful way. So that's cool. Check it out. Rocco's modern life stat clean available now on Netflix. So my, I fucked up because I thought the name of the movie that I was going to recommend dead was afflicted, but I'm looking at that and it's, it's not the movie, although I have seen Afflicted, and the reason I'm confusing these two is because they have sort of a very similar thing going on, which is also sort of a similar thing to Starry Eyes, which is somebody kind of falling apart, like body horror shit. It's just the story is that the girl, instead of all of the Hollywood shit and the, and the Satan stuff, she has sex she gets blackout and gets date raped at a party in the opening scene and then sh the rest of the movie is her like dis decaying in all this very similar body horror type shit yes contracted after some research uh, we found it it's called contracted um it's so similar in so many sort of like the tone and the sort of the body horror shit it's cool um so that's mine because i i quite enjoy that and i think that they're really fun to put up a, against each other and kind of i'm not sure which i'd have to watch contracted again now that we've seen starry eyes and sort of really say like because it's been a while since i saw contracted um it's from 2013 though so it's a year before starry eyes so that's mine you think i'd like it more than starry eyes i don't know <laughs> maybe okay um, hard to say one last thing I wanted to say about Rocco's modern life static cling was that it was about it was a reboot about reboots it did a really interesting meta thing which I think some really good reboots do anyways can I pick what next week's film is Tim is it your turn yeah you should do it oh my god oh my god what is it oh my god what is it the beyond <gasps> from 1981 yes i'm excited for this Me i remember too. i don't i think i put this in there um yeah because i you know i read some is it a french the beyond anyway you could find us mm. 
at dismemberinghorror.com mm. if you haven't already. We'll, you know, check yes. out check out all our old episodes. You should do it. You know what you should do? You should look at all of our episodes and then pick one that is a movie that you fucking haven't seen and you're excited to see and then watch the movie and then listen to the episode. Duh. That's the true intention of this podcast. Get into it. Have fun. If you're, you know what this podcast are from? If you're like a horror movie fan with no one to talk to about horror movies, because it's fun to do that after you watch a horror movie, you can sit down and, well, talk so to speak. Make it us. happen. Yeah. Think about it. And then Pick it actually apart. talk to us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We are here. Come on, guys. We I need more friends than just Ryan. <laughs> We're all yours, people. <laughs> um, and you can also find us at our Twitter and our, it's at DisHorrorPod and our Instagram. Dismembering Horror. Yeah. And our Gmail is dismemberinghorror at gmail.com. Sure Write us is. there. Recommend sure us a movie. Sure, sure, sure is. Let us know something you want us to watch. We'll put it in our hat. Oh, I wanted to shout out to our Instagram friend. The Instagram site is Horror Junkie with an IE. I don't know if that was not clear. So Horror Junkie 103178. And check it out, dude. Their, their Dude, that, that's awesome. ten thirty one seventy eight. That's Halloween. That's the oh yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they post some really good stuff. Yeah, yeah. We've talked to him. He's really active on there. It's You're cool. assuming it's a him. Yeah, I've. Talk- I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make that assumption. No, he told me his name once. Oh, okay. Like on our first <laughs> chat. Oh, good. Hey, <laughs> P- pretty sure. Pretty sure. <laughs> We've, we made a few, I was talking to a few people in there, but cool. Good shout out. Horror Junkie. Yeah. 103178. No, he does a lot of like cool. Um, uh, what an idiot I am. Just col- <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh, like here's a neat way to sort of, oh, here are all the new releases on Shudder or here's like for Alfred Hitchcock, here's, you know, a whole thing on, um, on uh, common household objects being used as murder weapons, Yeah. but always really detailed posts. I appreciate. Me too. All right. Well, in the meantime, just promoting other people. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we just, it's all one big family. The horror family. One big horror family sitting around a table. What's the hashtag for that? (laughs) Hashtag eating the person who drove in to use the phone. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) In closing, thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.